Hello and welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. Uh, here again are your hosts, Andy. I'll be covering DP7 number five after much discussion. And Stephen, just doing old justice number five. <laughs> just vaporizing some people. All right. So as always, our new universe was a self-contained universe and imprint from the Marvel from Marvel Comics started by Jim Shooter in 1986 with the launch of eight new ongoing titles to celebrate Marvel's 25th anniversary. It was intended to be more realistic without magic, aliens, or secret histories. And we are two chemists and comic readers who are reading through the new universe two books a week in the order they were released, uh, describing them and commenting as we go. And we'll also give the advertising copy from Marvel Checklist or Marvel Age Magazine when those are available, uh, because back in 1986, this is all the previews that we had. So uh, important things to note. As always, we have a website, kickersinc.com. Why do you care about our podcast website? Well, because uh, we have the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes Summer 2022 going on. So uh, on the front page of kickersinc.com, you can uh, take the quiz that existed in the pages of these comics themselves. And if you get lucky, it doesn't matter if you get all the questions right, you'll be entered into a drawing to win all the issue ones of the new universe. Um, also might be worth checking out. There's a great new universe fans page on Facebook and being citizens of the modern world. We have a new universe podcast, Twitter at kickers Inc. We can, we try to do a couple of updates during the week for on the Twitter uh, page. And uh, at least one of us is active on the fan, the Facebook fan page with some more, uh, updates and cute things we've come across so we'll let you discover which is which right <laughs> we should make a dennis skazinski or kazinski uh, fan page so this week i'll be covering justice justice is an alien knight exiled to earth by his enemies with no way to return to his home dimension uh he meets out justice to evildoers everywhere this week Justice must make the most gut-wrenching of decisions when he faces the villainy of his own father. It's not his father. No. (laughs) Occasionally, these are a little incorrect. (laughs) Yeah, it's like someone shouted them to someone across the bullpen, and they kind of got some idea of what was going on, but sometimes important details are uh, left out. He's going to kill dad. His dad? No. Okay. <laughs> Your dad? Somebody's dad. All right. And uh, this week I'll be covering DP7. Uh, DP7 focuses, focuses on a group of seven paranormals on the run from a sinister medical facility created to deal with the booming paranormal population. Uh, this week. Can these seven displaced paranormals ever return to the normality of a mundane existence they so desperately desire? That's a complicated sentence. Uh, An exorcist believes they can, but are DP7 willing to pay the price in the exorcism? So I guess these, uh, the exorcist sounds like the exorcist is going to require a cash payment up front. I think they maybe meant the metaphorical price. I don't know. Do you have uh, insurance? 
Are you a member of this congregation? Are you expecting a free exorcism? And uh, on the heels of that, we'll also be discussing religion in the new universe, uh, how it's portrayed and sort of what the insights we've seen from it so far. Right on. Should we start with DP7 or Justice? Uh, we typically start with Justice. Oh, okay. I guess I wrote that down. I don't right. know who's been writing these notes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Justice, number five. Um, cover date, March 1987. Should have hit the stands on around December 9th, 1986. And uh, the cover has a nice shot of Justice back-to-back with Becky Chambers, his FBI partner slash love interest, um, taken down uh, and surrounded by a bunch of the hounds we saw from issue two. Um, he's using a sword and she's uh, using her, her um, sidearm. Notably, the hound that's getting shot wearing pants. The one that Justice is laser zapping, no pants. <laughs> Yeah, we learn a little bit more about the pounds this week, but not uh, their fashion choices. Uh, it's <laughs> left to the reader's imagination. So, as as is thankfully the uh, reproductive parts of this hound on the cover. <laughs> uh, so uh, we start off with the splash page in, uh, as it says, Cabo San Lucas, Baja California. Um, where Justice and Becky Chambers are standing on the side of the road and uh, they are talking to Arnie, the cab driver, who has apparently just let them out of the cab. Um, it, says, it just says the title, Dad, and it has a date, 1st of November, 1986, El Dia de los Muertos. Then it helpfully translates the Day of the Dead. Um, Steve Englehart's story, Tony Salmons and Tom Morgan pencils, and Vince Coletta inks. The art is, uh, yes, a bit of a team effort, but it doesn't change too much, so you don't really uh, pin down like, oh, this page is by one guy and this page is by another. Um, I think Tony Salmons was working on Dakota North not long before this. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a little bit of a cartoonish vibe in some of the panels. Yeah, like the splash, he's, it, it reminds me a bit of that. We were, I was just looking through Decordo North here, number one, the other day. So, um, what, what are they saying to Ernie? Well, as usual, Justice has his uh, title in his word balloon on the first page. Uh, let's see. This is far enough, Arnie. But I'm okay now, Justice. Three months in the hospital, and good as new. And Becky's like, that's not good enough. And Justice comes out, listen to Milady Arnie. <laughs> She's absorbed a part of my magic. I'm Justice, the title uh, logo. And there's no uh, nothing that says that we'll come back alive, come back to you alive. So he's like, both of us have magic. 
sort of, and you would be helpless. So, sorry, dude. They don't even want him to drive anymore. So, yeah, he's he he recaps a little bit more about how he drove them from New York to Oklahoma, and then has been in the hospital for two or three months, um, and met up with them in L.A. and then drove them down here. I didn't look up how long it takes to drive, but it's quite a distance, I guess, south from L.A. Across the border. Um, so he said, Arnie says, it started out as just a fair, but we've been through too much since then. When it comes to Damon Conquest, I'm right in there beside you. Then uh, Becky and Justice start uh, grilling him in Spanish, which apparently they've both learned in the last month. And uh, Arnie says he knows a little Spanish, but uh, they're like, Pero hablas uh, español como un mexicano sin acento para que puedas mover on este país sin dificultad. Okay, I'm not. Uh, I'm more of the on the Arnie nice side. Nice try, Arnie. You're faking. You're not faking your yeah. way through that one. As he says, um, something about difficulty. Okay, nice try, buddy. But we'll see you around. Um, so they, uh, uh, he, he says he'll wait for them or something. Goodbye, Arnie. Yeah. See you later. Much later. Uh, so they say to themselves from now on, we'll just talk in Spanish and look at all the costumes, the decorations, the Latin American Halloween festival. You see actually very little decorations or costumes. So. I would say zero. Yeah. Mm. So apparently um, the phone call was traced that uh, Justice picked up at the end of last issue that was Damon talking to dad. And then Becky traced that call through her FBI contacts down here to Cabo San Lucas, which is why they are down looking for dad here. Um, they recap a little bit more about how the last time, uh, last issue he'd been fighting Damon Conquest and sort of zipping back and forth between his world and our world. Um, but he says, um, he doesn't know what how it happened, but he does have his memory back now. And he knows what the, the war back home is like. He doesn't talk a lot more about what it's like back home though, which for those of us who are kind of hoping to learn more about the Glade or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah. The new thing seems to be like he's, he's talking more specifically about the green force, right? And that, which is the you know, the force that the evil wizards were using, and then it, it that happens to send him <laughs> to whatever dimension he's not in, kind of thing. So, yeah, we've seen like Damon's fire was green, and a couple other like I think auras of evil people were green before, so. It's been a bit of a theme going on. So he, but now with his um, memories intact, he's at least, at least more confident about what he's doing and how he's going to approach this. So that's cool. So let's see, they, um, uh, he tells her that it's the beauty I saw in you that drew me to you, Becky, the beauty which lies deep beneath your status or your skin. You know about black skins and white skins now? I've been here 13 weeks. One picks it up. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> the 
the racial comment seems to come kind of out of nowhere. And uh, Becky says she never went with a white guy before, let alone an alien white guy. But they, uh, it's funny how I don't care either, and they hold hands. And just then, they're accosted by two Mexican policemen. They, um, they sort of immediately accuse them of drug smuggling and uh, resisting arrest. And so um, Becky tells him to uh, scan their auras. And he immediately says, they are policemen, but they have been bribed. So knowing he's not going to hold back, he immediately fries one of the policemen with his sword hand. And uh, it doesn't uh, go off when he confronts, uh, when he turns it on the second cop. But Becky's got her gut, her sidearm out and shoots him. So one and one, and one uh, for a kill count for today. Uh, Becky, let's see. Suddenly there's an alarm goes off and um, Becky and Justice start using English again. That didn't really last very long at all. Um, but they realize there's uh, someone was watching them, and so they run into the crowd to try to escape. They run around town a bit, and uh, Justice catches sight of Tattoo, the Japanese guy who killed everyone at Rosie's Diner, including Boyd Pittman. So Justice says it's too dangerous, so he's going to chase him. He chases him down an alley, leaves Becky behind, and we see Tattoo doubling back across a roof and then jumping down and attacking Becky. So there's a bit of uh, mayhem, mano a mano. Um, the tattoos, martial arts, and Becky's also martial arts, I guess. She's got her gun, but she just tries to hit him with it. And then he smacks it out with a scarf or something. Smacks it out of her hand. Time-honored Japanese traditional scarf combat. <laughs> he stops to do some flower arrangement and then composes a short haiku. She is <laughs> embarrassed by her lack of civility. No. So uh, I guess he smacks her and uh, he's got her down and then says he's going to give her one of his tattoos. So yeah, on his arm, he's got these monster tattoos and he's peeling one off and he's going to infect Herb with it, basically like Hoyt Pittman had been. It's kind of hard to tell what the image of the tattoo is. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like just random monster or something with a Japanese theme that I just didn't have a good angle that I'm looking at it on. But the, uh, it says it'll enter your soul and take control. And then she just kicks him off. Get off. But tattoo couldn't enter you, says Tattoo. I'm as surprised as you, Ninja. And then uh, Justice is like attacking him from behind. Her soul is too pure for your purposes, and it's mingled with mine. Oh, yeah, he's always bragging about that soul magnum. So a little more um, uh, 
Justice has been a little bit of a weirdo about the about the aura mingling for a while. Uh, so notably, he calls it her soul, not her aura. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Something to the uh, metaphysics of justice that I've never, I, I haven't quite figured out. So he he smacks justice down and then is running too fast to, for justice to catch him. Justice uh, lets loose with his sword hand, and it seems to be fr- uh, breaking uh, some pipes across the alley. But it's um, is it just me, or I always thought the sword was only on like people or things with auras. I didn't think inanimate objects were affected. Well, we know it doesn't work on things without auras, but maybe regular inanimate objects do have some form of that energy, right? We talked about how his aura was contaminated when he went back and was talking to the wizard guy. Right. Oh yeah, he just said like the air, alien air and food and water. Yeah. Right. So maybe it's you know there's something to it there, you know, like a real uh, version of energy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So Justice just knows his, says his hand worked, but the guy was too fast, and uh, Becky is sickened by like how quick how close she came to getting one of those weird monsters planted on her so she throws up is that why she throws up i was a little confused on that part i i mean so she's just saying ahead of that like he wanted to turn me against you like he did pit it could have happened so quickly with the magic and if i were anyone else that would have been her (laughs) so that's my guess I mean, just she's been uh, through like firefights and stuff before, so just the fight alone shouldn't have done it. But, or per- perhaps the magic itself is like kind of bothersome. I mean, you're like, it's very. Or she's got morning sickness. What? <laughs> Maybe she's pregnant. I don't know. Oh my God. Random vomiting. That's a good guess. I don't know. Yeah. Total guess. I don't know. Like that. So we would see that maybe in issue 14. <laughs> see what it really means when he says their auras have mingled. Uh, so let's see. It's just as uh, she's like, ah, that, I mean, this is embarrassing, but he says, you're in the middle of something your universe never prepared you for. Under the circumstances, you're doing remarkably well. They uh, hug a little bit more. We share a bond on an ethereal level, so we feel each other's essences. More of Justice's sweet talk, basically, I guess. She says, I I accept you, even though so much of you is so strange. And he replies, in many ways, you're just as strange to me. It sounds like love. Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember that from any of the romantic comedies. Like, if you find each other to be really strange, but still somehow <laughs> like each other, that's love. Hugh, uh, Grant, Hugh Grant would have something to say about that. Yeah, okay. So they, uh, 
they then have a bit of a montage of going around, I think like tourist areas. There's like a, people uh, sunbathing by the pool and they're like asking random people like how to get to this place. Hello, they have the guests. address of, but everyone's like, yeah. Hello, gas station attendants. Do you know where the evil overlord lives? <laughs> can you point me in the direction so I can finish my quest? <laughs> Almost there. It is, as they get closer, even Becky can feel something cold and furious and a washing agony. Demon Conquests Fora, which they said was uh, pretty strong in Los Angeles. So they walk up to Dad's estate, which is near the beach. And he says, uh, she says, um, should we walk right up there like you did last issue? Or words to that effect. And I was like, okay. Heads <laughs> up to the guard and he's like, you there, open up. What? Are you nuts? I'm justice. And he like his eyes are glowing red. So the guy is the guy calls up to the house. Uh rojos. Red eyes. <laughs> Is it the guy uh, with the red eyes? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know what the hair, white hair, maybe, and a black woman with him. So says, uh, "Oh, okay, go ahead, go right in." In Spanish. Works. As, I guess it's a family thing. So uh, Dad knows I'm coming, and then there's a strange couple of panels where, like. Someone is saying hello, Damon, and then Damon Conquest is looking out the balcony. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Yeah. It's not really obvious who's saying hello to Damon. Like, did he walk into the room and then across over to the balcony? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's doesn't really okay. amount to much. Yeah. So just Justice and Becky arrive, and it's a very uh, kind of humble scene uh, with a middle-aged to elderly man in a hot tub, or just sort of a wooden tub. Uh, and then Tattoo is sitting next to him, and there's some hounds around on, uh, on the ground near them. Justice, you must be dad. See, it's not his dad. It totally weirds me out that they call him dad. It's a weird, yeah, um, code name, maybe? I mean... Yeah, it's just... I get in the beginning, because they're like, you know, they learned about him while he was on the phone after they battled Damon Conquest, right? And like, this must be his dad or the dad or something, but then they just they really stuck with that, and then yeah, something it, like it comes off weird. Mr. Conquest Senior or something would have been good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Justice has some like vibes going off instead of like his eyes being red, and I but I think it means uh, he's scanning the auras because he starts uh, doing uh, narration boxes to himself that Dad has no aura like the hounds in the corner. Um, their lack is palpable. I can at least feel their hunger. 
dad is a complete cipher. He cannot read dad at all. Dad starts uh, talking to him. And uh, I don't know, mostly it reminded me of the most interesting man in the world, you know, that. Uh, right. <laughs> Mustache dude hanging out in the hot tub of some kind. <laughs> oh, hello. Welcome to my. Let me tell you about the time I corrupted a justice warrior. As my uh, drug empire and uh, otherworldly wizard uh, coven. Yes, it's all headquartered here. Why do you will? Um, he starts telling him, um, you're right, Justice. Um, we've all tried to kill you and we've all failed. You must really be the best. So I've got a new idea. What? Asking me to join you? Exactly. Uh, well, I'm still prepared to kill you once and for all. But I understand the contamination imparted by living on Earth as well. How's your hand, by the way? Uh, my hand justice has a flashback to his friend friend um Websol, Web, webstraw sounds about right telling him that uh his hand is contaminated because he regrew it here on earth and that with the alien energies and food and that um, microplastics <laughs> roundup <laughs> When you he, he drew upon your aura to form your hand, you created something impure. Justice just tells him, I could show you how impure it is. But, oh, no doubt, but killing a naked man in a hot tub who's made not a single threatening gesture, you'd show us your contamination so clearly. Mm, I'm not buying it. Okay. Just, you don't, uh... Uh, anyway, Justice, I know what I'm talking about. I'm from the Glade myself, and I'm contaminated. Ooh. In fact, I was the first one ever to come across. That's how I learned that the auras of Earth folk could be tapped for our use on our side. I lived a virtuous life here for many months, but as you wish to, but if you eat and breathe, you change. There's no way to avoid it. Hmm. Hmm. So I contacted the Winter Wizards and opened the channel of power. They sent me men like Damon and the Hounds. I recruited men like Tattoo and provided for their enhancements. So Damon, I guess, is not his really son. No, he's just a random goon. Sent by the Wizards, yeah. The Hounds are not like people turned into Hounds, or at least not here. They're all from the other world. And, um, but Tattoo is human from Earth. So people here can learn to use this magic, I guess. Right, or have it given to them. So he continues. I recruited men like Marty Roth and provided myself with unlimited resources. And men like Marty Roth ran networks that reached all the way down to the streets. And so I heard everything and I acted on everything and I became the most powerful man on Earth. Okay. I guess. <laughs> a little exaggerated. I mean, he's a like, cartel guy and you know, helping these wizards in another world, but he's the most powerful man on this earth. Yeah, okay. No, he's not Mark Hazard. <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> we continue. So, uh, SM, uh, so then why try to kill me? Well, because you're in the way. So, uh, 
if I become like you, won't I become the most powerful man on earth? Be my guest. Because if you choose otherwise, I will kill you. And I won't use the green force that sends you home instead. He's no fool. He has been briefed by everyone. So Justice has a, has a couple panels where he's just standing back to back with Becky. Everyone is sort of surrounding him. He's got hounds and tattoo. And uh, dad is getting out of the hot tub. And I can't tell if he's lying without his aura. I can't read the hounds. Tattoo's aura can mask. He can mask. But Damon's aura feels like a fire on my back. And it says dad's playing some sort of game. And there's just a shadow growing. But Justice is like, ah! And the next page, we have a nice full-page splash of dad who is now like a nine foot tall monster attacking justice and him uh, full force with the sword hand on him. Poor justice. Seki uh, puts down two or three hounds with a gun at the same time. So on the next page, Becky and Justice are standing atop a pile of ash and Justice says, my hand worked so much for the contamination. And then, and there's this one we haven't seen before. Yeah. The ash is reforming itself into dad. So both Justice and Becky are taken aback by this, but he is sort of, he's like Clayface sort of coming together out of a amorphous shape. I am fully contaminated Justice. I'm not of your world and I'm not of this one. And your sword and shield aren't formed for one like me. Join me, be like me. And now he's just naked, but from the back. Justice replies, you know my answer. Well, you know mine. And he reforms himself into a monster again. And now Justice is sort of pushing him off with uh, his shield hand. Maybe he's uh, dad is shooting energy at him. I'm not quite sure. It's kind of hard to tell. Something's Indeed, coming from the, his hand. The dad's sort of, you know, boss final form is um, reminded me of the demon Agat from uh, Frank Miller's Ronin. I don't know if you remember that one. Mm, not recently enough. It's a. It's Looks like he's a, got French fries on his head. Yeah, he's about, like I say, eight or nine feet tall, and he's orange and just sort of monstrous. So he grabs uh, Becky, and Justice is sort of down on the ground, and um, he's like, uh, stay back, this is beyond you. So he's struggling with something, and then he tries the sword hand again. Dad just says, you're the best justice warrior, but you reached too high this time. You still have a chance to change your mind. He justice strikes out a couple more times and um, like, I gotta find a way, I always find a way. So he shoots behind him. And as we saw before with the pipes breaking, he uses the sword to um, sort of bring down the roof onto Damon Conquest behind him. So he then, uh, backs up and uh, basically uh, puts his sword hand next to Damon. So like, surrender or your son dies with me. Uh, 
Damon's not like defending himself. So, so Dad just says, all right, I surrender. You found a weakness. I concede this one. But you see in the taking of hostages, you show your contamination. So um, a couple more words back and forth, and then um, The uh, let's see, tattoo has grabbed Becky behind him and is uh, tells him, "Here's your green great gateway, Justice Warrior. This is the world, the way to the other world, I guess." And uh, he's dragging Becky with him. Here's your gateway, but it's just for us. Becky's off, and then he turns sort of the other direction, and it's. Uh, dad with uh, Damon, Damon in his arms saying, it's just us. That sounds like justice. It does. Yeah. Just us. Justice uh, smacks his head against the hot tub. He's gone. All of them. Right, he was trying to, trying to dive through the portal that it vaporized before he could, and they nailed the hot tub. Yeah. He's, uh, he's not happy. She's on the far side with them, and the only way to get there is through the energy they control, and they're all gone. And I'm really trapped this time. Becky! And a nice sort of coda in the last panel is uh, Becky's on the ground, and Dad is and still in his monster form is standing over her, and... Uh, says, when she awakens, her memory will be as distorted as the warrior's was, and I can put that to use. So, next issue is called Sarah. Be there. We don't know a Sarah, do we? No, I don't. No, not in my notes. No, me but either. Someone new, hopefully. Maybe it's Becky's sister. <laughs> What'd you do with my sister? I uh, can't be with the one you love. Uh, I love the one you're with. Uh, <laughs> he did switch back and forth pretty fast between Becky when he was in the Earth dimension and uh, the Queen when he had warped back. So, yeah, he, I don't know. I mean, it makes you kind of wonder just how dedicated he is to to one or the other, but. Or that he sort of sees them as the same person a little bit. That might be a good way of looking at it. They, they talk about their similarities, so uh, some sort of uh, parallel, yeah, between the two. Can't tell their auras apart or something. Yeah, like that. At least that's the way the excuse I'd use. <laughs> yeah, there's something a little strange about that end fight. Like maybe there was it was more to it than we were getting i mean um i like mean it kind of describes damon as kind of like just a goon that got sent over but then there's still at least justice is still referring him referring to him as his son and then he's also an effective hostage maybe like yeah. but is it because he really wanted to save his life or he was happy that that was a corrupt move on Tenson's part. 
And yeah. the fight felt kind of weird. Like like he vaporized him right off, and and then Dad, the monster version, reformed no problem. But then afterwards, none of the laser blasts were effective. So it was, it was pretty one sided until you know he held Damon hostage. But it seemed like that big bad would be like, yeah, do whatever you want to him. Like you're the one that's in trouble. I don't care what you do to Damon Conquest kind of thing, but. Yeah. I, it does kind of, yeah. Make me question that. Like, is he your son or not? You, you say one thing and then you act another. Yeah. So that's a good question. I think the, was that mentioned caught up on the sort of psychological aspect of like, you're not only like, you know, you can either join me today or you will inevitably join me tomorrow because this, you know, same process that happened to me will happen to you, uh, which is a real, like, you know, that's a real threat to justice. But like, you can beat people or fry them or whatever, but to like become this thing that he's, you know, like he's fighting is. I, I would imagine his greatest fear. So. Mm, yeah, and I'm, I'm still confused by the aura thing. Like, you know, like he has no aura and like this is a big deal and neither do the hounds. But like, well, what does that mean though? Like, is he not alive? Is he just like, you know, yeah, magical like generation? Describe or, or like disguise or it's lack make, is like you have no soul makes you this sort of extra evil yeah yeah i mean my i mean it doesn't make any sense but my brain guess is that it's not a real a person right like dad is not real he's actually just a uh, creation of damon right it's like you can create the hounds as these kind of goons with no aura and maybe that's why he's so why dad is so indestructible i mean it doesn't make sense because like why would he have phone conversations with it? But like, you know, Damon has this big, strong, evil aura. He has to work hard to hide it. Like, you know, he was kind of like the big bad. And then there's this sort of mysterious scheming monster dude who is unkillable and also mm. irrationally wants to protect Damon. So maybe that's why, because he's his creation. Total guess. Probably wrong. Yeah, no, that's an interesting like uh, hypothesis though, because yeah, they, you just create this boss figure that like people would inevitably want to, you know, take him out rather than you. You're just, you know, I will give turn state's evidence against Dad. Sure thing, yeah, I, you know. right, right, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, he's just a construct. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know that that. I mean, Damon is so, like, doesn't do anything. That's the other kind of weird thing for me, is he doesn't fight justice himself, and he doesn't sort of defend himself when justice tries, like, tries to take him hostage. So yeah. He's, not... he's basically just hanging out on the balcony above the battle while the whole thing's going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, didn't, I didn't put that, like, balcony that he was up there the whole time. And that's yeah. that's I'm I'm only getting this now 
which again, like this is kind of like the third read through of the book as we as we cover it ourselves. But maybe it's that's embarrassing why they, how many times I read this book and miss things. Right. Well, I mean that that could be the reason for that sort of awkward uh, panel where they show him walking out onto the balcony. But then, like, it doesn't. I, I get that as a setup, but it doesn't really make sense that he would just hang out there <laughs> for the whole time doing nothing. And they had like a callback of justice, like I can feel Damon's aura like burning like a fire, you know, behind me, yeah. which you know makes me think like that's important, like something's going on. But it might just be like a lazy uh, hint of you know, okay, so justice knows he's up there, so he can use this trick to drop mm. him out of the ceiling and and uh, hold him hostage. Mm. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. <laughs> No, I think it, it just didn't come across clearly for me. But when you sort of link those ideas up, it makes a lot of sense that like he can sense Damon's there, but you don't see him because he's not on that same in that same room. So then, yeah, when he puts the sword hand sword out and breaks through this roof or something, it's bringing. It's not just like dropping the ceiling onto Damon. It's dropping Damon into the fight because he was up there. Yeah. So I mean, that, that could be a, just an awkwardness of the, you know, like bad communication between the writer and artist, and, you know, artists not quite doing what they needed. So by the time they got to put the script and the lettering in there, then things can kind of get a little strange perhaps. Yeah, that's when you get two or three artists. And uh, did you draw the uh, guy standing on the balcony? I thought you were going to draw that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, it's a real fast read, a lot of uh, action in it. And uh, it's only half a dozen characters as opposed to like last week's Kicker's DP crossover, which almost killed me in terms of how many people we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's cool. I also got um, the, the timeline also matches up with like a late July white event and him that being his when he arrives. Although when Arnie says he was in the hospital for three months, I think it's two, it's the end of issue three when he uh, got hurt. So I think that should be two months ago, but then yeah, I think three was the yeah that three was the diner. See, uh, in the in the advertising for justice, it says this week justice must make the most gut wrenching of decisions when he faces the villainy of his own father. Well, yeah, <laughs> like you said, not his father, but like I guess that must have been the. Do you join him or not? Though I mean, that's an easy decision for Justice. He's like, yeah, no, not a chance. I'm the good guy. Yeah, I, it's it's a bit all a bit like um, Empire Strikes Back, I guess, and Return of the Jedi. It it, it seems to me, but they really uh, make a convincing case as to why you should be joined. You know, join yeah. me. Why? <laughs> You're yeah. The bad it seems less arbitrary than those, honestly, but yeah, the, um, uh, not really much of a decision for justice at this point, but I think it, it sets up like a, 
fear inside of him that he could play out for a while in a real interesting way. So that, yeah, yeah I like that. But the gut wrenching decision should be, you know, if if Becky is returned and they're both on Earth, like does he stick around to be with you know the woman he loves, but risk getting contaminated and turning evil, right? Yeah, yeah. That would be yeah. a decision, but we're not quite there yet. And I don't know what the effect of the other world on Becky is. Like yeah. if it's like that the same way, but I assume that like there's some they will like you said, they say they sort of try to uh, get her you know, somehow on as their tool. Uh, so whatever they can do. If they can't, you know, implant these tattoos on her, it suggests she has some resistance to some of their abilities, but how much, who knows, who knows. Yeah. Well, I like the, this is another case of like them upping the ante a bit. And, you know, so far it's been several issues in a row of things getting Harder and harder on justice. And yep. And got contaminated, battled Damon, battled Tattoo, battled Dad. <laughs> yep. And then he's stuck all by himself. So we'll have to see what happens next. That's a, a, a good cliffhanger. I have, I have no clue how any of this is going to get resolved. And also, it's, I want to know. So effective cliffhanger. Yeah, it's one of the better books with the cliffhangers. I, I mean, yeah, I always have to leave justice thinking, what the heck do we go from here? Yeah, we have a grade. Hmm, this is a tough one to grade. I mean, there's definitely some issues with it. Um, but if you just go kind of by story and character, um, you know, it's, it's pretty solid. I just, I think I'll just give it a B. Yeah. I was, uh, I was gonna say B plus. It's getting close to what I would consider A minus territory, but I'm trying to to not be let my enthusiasm carry carry me away. <laughs> okay. Did you only say B plus because I said B, and you didn't want to go too far away. <laughs> probably be more interesting if our grades are wildly different like, like this is garbage yeah. this is the best book ever <laughs> should be like a rotten tomato score or something like siskel and ebert the critics say 99 percent. The, cr the crowd says wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, which one of us is siskel and which is ebert yeah. <laughs> Well, the, I mean, the new universe in general seems to be poorly thought of, um, but, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that's almost just like, that's like the joke more than any, any more than like a really thoughtful uh, review of it. So, yeah. This is uh... a solid book. I mean, it's got definitely got some issues that it's facing with uh, the art team, uh, clearly kind of having to kind of rush things a little bit, but you know, story-wise, like most of it, it's solid stuff. It holds up well. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, you know, we always say like at the time there was so much coming out, like that was, 
you know, it's just sort of lost in a sea of like really uh, strong work. And, you know, looking at the other things that came out like that month and you, you go and look Avengers and X-Men and stuff. And I mean, there's lots of like alpha flights from that, that, that month that no one's talked about in at least this long, you know? Yeah, that's true. So it's not like everything was like spectacular, but between Marvel and DC, I mean, Watchmen was on the stands the same month too. So you can see there's like, you know, if I was to like give you like an absolute scale of A to, to F, you know, and be like, well, if I have to fit right assassin on it, very on. So I don't know. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like assess my like A's as sort of something like, above and beyond and like B is like I'm happy with it and it's very you know it's solid yeah like, um, yeah I actually picked up the first couple issues of Electra Assassin and yeah, I, I honestly like this better I mean I don't know, the art's, <laughs> the art's cool but the writing is so confusing <laughs> It's like, yeah, like to compare Watchmen with New Universe because it's like, well, look what DC was doing with superheroes and like deconstructing the superhero and what it means and all that kind of stuff. And well, that's not really the New Universe, though. The New Universe was had nothing to do with superheroes. It was more like, you know, what would the world be like if a couple, a handful of people got these powers? It's not like what would it be like in 1986 if he tried to be a superhero? Because they already thought ahead and said, well, that would be kind of stupid. Like, why would you put on a big yellow outfit and a cape? You're just going to get shot. <laughs> you know, so, you know, even yeah. Watchmen's superheroes don't make any sense. Like, there's no reason to have all those weird themes and, you know, and the goofy outfits. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's easier, I would say, to sort of wrap something up and, and you know, tie a bow on it than to um, sort of get a ball rolling. Yeah. If you want, like, I want books that can go for years, not just like, here's a limited series that has a beginning, middle, and end. And so, yeah, that's a, it's a much different set of uh, things you have to, to do to get that uh, going. Right. The series is the movie and then the, the ongoing universe is like a whole, a couple of interconnected TV shows all running at the same time. You know? Well, I don't know. I think that's a good uh, wrap on Justice Number 5. Should we take a quick break? All right. Let's break it up. Come back with DP7. I keep wanting yeah. to say DP7 Number 7. Just DP7 Number 5. <laughs> Welcome back. We've got a good one here. DP7 issue number five. Title Scuzz Out. I like Scuzz. He's he he may be eclipsing Wayne as my favorite uh, angry teen of the new universe. Maybe just in terms of just getting more screen time, but or or page time, I guess. There's no screen. 
<laughs> but yeah, so our our cover here, DP7 scuzz out. So we've got a, a nice face off. So scuzz uh, in his ripped up jean jacket and jeans is facing off against the rest of the DP7. So everyone's kind of shocked. The the ladies are in the back, kind of shocked. Where uh, uh, Randy's Phantom and Mammoth are kind of and Jeff are coming out scuzz like we're having a battle. So let's find out what that's all about, right? Um, but it, it's a two title story, uh, which I've come to love and expect from the new universe now. So on the splash page, we have DP seven exorcism. So not only do we have some guys related conflict, but we get ourselves an old fashioned exorcism here. Um, as usual, uh, DP seven is Mark Gruenwald as writer, Paul Ryan as penciler. You may remember them as the team who did kickers Inc. Number five. Uh, working hard this week. DP7 4.5. You're right there. Right. Um, and we are shown that they're in central Wisconsin, 27 miles from Stevens Point. I think they were in northeast with Wisconsin earlier, so they're kind of heading into the state. Hmm. All right. So uh, we open with uh, a crashed bus. So we've got a school bus. Uh, kids are climbing out the window. It looks like a uh, some kind of church camp or retreat. There's a woman dressed like a nun and a guy with a, oh, what do you call that? That white square on the priest's collar. That's got a name probably that I don't know. No, uh, I just call it the collar, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so bus ran off the side of the road, crashed into a tree. Everybody's kind of getting out. Uh, our crew drives by, um, and uh, David Mammoth is, is or Mastodon is. So, should I keep going or what, Doctor O'Brien? <laughs> so, <laughs> sassing in there a little bit, and uh, so Randy is kind of unsure, right? So he, he doesn't want to get caught. He's kind of worried. Uh, the clinic's been chasing them. Uh, we haven't seen them in a little while, but you know. They've been attacked enough times that they're really jumpy. Um, so he's not really sure. He's still trying to keep a low profile, but eventually settles on pulling over. Um, uh, Scuzz has been riding in the back of the pickup. So they, they're, they're going along in a pickup truck pulling a trailer. And so most of the time, it seems like Randy and David are driving up front. Um, Scuzz in the back of the pickup, I think, is new. I don't recall that from previous issues. Um, but he's like, what? He's like, but we're outlaws, not good Sumerians. I like the line, that's Samaritan scuzz. You don't have to come if you're against the idea. <laughs> so they send Jeff to kind of scout out and see if it's a trap. Um, uh, David, Randy, and scuzz decide they're going to go and check out and see if they can help the poor crashed school bus uh, while the ladies stay behind uh, for reasons because, well, Stephanie sparkles, Lenore looks really strange, and uh, Charlie didn't want to ruin her only decent outfit. So <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, Charlie is sometimes a little shallow as far as the characters go. Yeah, I mean, it's not like flipperiness so. powers would have helped unstick a bus or anything. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> uh, so Stephanie's is 
basically been upset the last three issues, including Kicker's Inc. Um, mostly just because she, she can't go home and see her kids, right? She's, she's not the only one with a family, but then she's the only one with children. Um, and she brings over Lenore just to see if maybe her twilight effect, her energy stealing powers will uh, dampen hers, right? To eliminate the sparkling, which she seems to have to deal with sort of 24 seven now. Um, they do imply that she's tried it before, but she tries it again. And uh, again, like no, no real effect here. I think we had also discussed like whether that would work, like if Lenore's power could tone down some of the others, um, like maybe like Scuzz and yeah, Stephanie. But so yeah, sometimes they'll like come up, you know, try the same idea that you know you as the reader would have, like oh, could would this work? And they'll they'll try it a month later, like yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, it seems like it only absorbs like natural body energy, right? Not like paranormal power or energy, right? So like she can, maybe she can calm down Jeff because he's just like in hyper speed right? as a person kind of thing, right? Like his metabolism's going crazy and he can just do everything super fast. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. As a scientist, I feel like that falls apart a little bit, but. Uh, they, they all have mysterious and different powers, so it's not unreasonable that uh, it doesn't work on her. Uh, notably, though, uh, I like uh, Randy is in a like a white hooded sweatshirt and white pants, so he's like all whited out. Um, and later on, we'll see like he actually looks like the image in the old New Universe promo art and like the corner uh, piece where he's drawn kind of strangely as like a guy in an all-white suit with like 3d glasses kind of deal so oh yeah yeah he's got that on the uh the cover of this one too uh the yeah so there's another version of it but you know that's it's almost his outfit kind of thing so yeah it's like a little uh like uh, the unabomber's um mugshot yeah (laughs) i'm guessing that's just sort of a fun nod to that old art piece but Anyway, so uh, Randy comes in, I'm a doctor, does anyone need help? And helps a woman with a hand who might be broken, but it's just strained. So everybody seems pretty okay. Uh, but the bus is kind of crumpled and stuck on a tree or a I large... thought maybe he was flirting with that, that woman, but then he said, I can't lie to a kid. Like, oh, I guess she's just a kid. This isn't Ken Connell here, man. This is Dr. Randy. Well, she's like, around um, good okay, what, what's your name? Call me Dr. Randy. <laughs> Cha-ching. Then those digits. Um, I don't know. Might be there, I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so, so they're convinced the bus is pretty stuck, uh, but uh, David's coming in, uh, and uh, Scuzz jumps in front, and so they're like, oh, well, there's a rotten part of this log. So he uses his acid powers to kind of weaken the tree, and then they push it over, kind of freeing the truck from the tree. Um, and I like this part. Uh, David, the, the big guy, uh, is like, hey, well, if everybody helps out, maybe we can push this thing out of here. Uh, so it gets everyone uh, pushing on the school bus. 
where he pretty much just picks up the back bumper and pulls it out himself. (laughs) (laughs) But makes him feel like they helped. (laughs) Yeah, I think he even thinks to himself, I think I could tow the bus all by myself, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm that strong. Good thinking. You get everyone involved and they don't think anything, it's not that weird to them suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Even it gets a good zing on the priest where it says, are you serious, my good man? This bus must weigh three tons. He says, have a little faith, father. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so they've rescued the bystanders uh, all around being good dudes. Um, And... um, yeah, so get a little bit of Scuzz, who's a bit of the main character in here. He's like, doing good deeds are for Boy Scouts, but I admit I had fun making those yo-yos drop their jaws. Hehe. <laughs> so they walk back, uh, back to the team. Uh, Jeff is joking that he'd hope they all would convert and left, and they would just leave him and three of the hottest chicks in Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Just, 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 yeah. A bit of a jokester, I guess. Yeah. We got like more with Scuzz there was good. I have an idea. Let's get some heavy duty disguises, masks, and capes, and uh, and go around helping all the thieves who need it. Scuzz, the rest of us are adults. We don't do things like that. (laughs) You guys stink. You know that? (laughs) Poor Scuzz. Yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs here. I don't know. It's like, they're all pretty psyched that they were be able to help those people in the bus. And so that sort of warm fuzzy you get from helping people is like palpable from the conversation. Yeah. Even Scuzz. And drawing-wise, you know, he really kind of looks like an adult. So I was kind of just going to remind myself that he's, he's just a kid in this, or, or a teenager, really. Um, but he's back yeah. in... I think he's like 16 to 18. I'm not quite sure, but I think he dropped out of high school. So yeah. 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 So yeah, he has kind of a lot of emotional ups and downs here and he's kind of just frustrated with his place in the team, but uh, he's riding in the back of the cab, kind of huddled, looking cold. Uh, Why am I still hanging around with these clowns? I don't know. No one ever agrees with me. They treat me like a kid, even though I'm as tough as any one of them. Whenever I start eating through my clothes too fast, patooey, and so he spits, but he's in the back of the cab, so the, the air kind of pushes it back, and, it, and it, it zings back and uh, burns a hole in the bottom of the cab. Of course, he says, holy spit. <laughs> <laughs> Some good puns here. Um, so basically, he's figured out his spit is quite acidic, so maybe even stronger than like his, his general powers. Uh, so he gets a fun little grin. It's like, um, so his acid powers work on the inside and out, inside and outside. He says, "Let me try something." Used to be pretty good at making spitballs back in study hall. So he spits in his hand, kind of rolls it up, and he's got this little glowing purple glob of energy now. So he wings it out the truck, and it easily burns a hole through the speed limit sign. And he's cheering from the back. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> In his head, Rad City, now my power is better than any of theirs. <laughs> so petty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, fun, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how, how, how effective it is as a weapon. <laughs> Definitely a kid. 
Uh, so he says, I ain't, gonna, I ain't even going to tell the others about it. That'll show them. <laughs> I'm not sure how that'll show them. But, uh, so Jeff runs up alongside. Uh, it's actually being quite nice, nice to him. Um, although he, again, he's sort of joking. He, he likes having him around so they can blame his bo on on scuzz and uh, in front of the girls or whatnot. Um, he's he's going to go call his mom on a payphone. Uh, scuzz asks for a carton of cigarettes. Um, Jeff says okay and kind of runs off. But again, our our Dennis, our scuzz is what's his problem? Trying to act friendly to me? See, he can't even quite accept that they like him or or that someone being nice. You know, they must be acting. It's a nice, nice characterization here, I'd say. Yeah, Jeff seems authentically nice to everyone. So, yeah, that's yeah, an interesting sort of insight into Scuzz's own perceptions of them. Yeah. Can't really love yourself. You're not going to see the other people. You're not going to let other people love you or something like that, right? <laughs> All right. So his group therapy sessions at the clinic, I guess, didn't get too far into his psychological problems from a broken home or whatever. I can see him not. Well, I mean, those group therapy sessions might have just been training them up to be better, uh, you know, hired goons from the clinic. So, <laughs> anyway, so back to North Milwaukee, uh, we get, you know, Jeff's home or his mother's home. Um, and uh, so he calls and basically she she brings up the exorcist right so um you know she's not joking we think you find somebody who can help he's an exorcist you know none of the doctors could help you like me the clinic doctors didn't help you know maybe this exorcist can help um and uh you know he seems sort of surprised but open to it so basically brings that back to the group um so later, uh, back in this thing. So he calls a meeting, couldn't wait, even wait for their supper stop. Uh, Scuzz gives, better be worth forgetting to bring my cigarettes. So, you know, maybe a little confirmation that he didn't really care. Uh, Jeff didn't even bring him the smokes that he wanted. Um, he says, how many of you saw, saw the movie The Exorcist? <laughs> maybe not the best uh, starting point to taking the exorcist, religious exorcism seriously. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, we get all their reactions. So he says, my mom told me about an exorcist, might be able to cure us. You know, Randy's like, that's pre preposterous. We're not possessed by demons or evil spirits. You know, um, and Lenora's, that is a notion I've yet to entertain. <laughs> I mean, his, his mama made, made, you know, pretty straightforward um, or her, her intermediate told her, Maybe they figured if your problem isn't medical, then maybe it's spiritual. Right. And some of the people realize, you know, that's a reasonable approach as well. And some of them are, you know, completely divorced from that idea. So we see a bit of a good controversy and discussion over how seriously yeah. they should take that. Yeah. And really, like Stephanie kind of takes the point. So, uh, David is discussing a lot, you know, you know, he didn't believe in supernatural, a hard time believing this is the, the supernatural in origin. Um, Stephanie's, I read as, you know, she mentions later she was uh, Christian, but also probably the most desperate to get rid of her powers too, right? She sees, still sees that as her ticket to getting back. 
you know, so when David is skeptical, you know, she jumps on him. Uh, what do you think is responsible, right? Because like they have no idea uh, what caused it. Uh, Randy even actually brings up the white event, so he's on track there. And it's, yeah, from our, our like later understanding, the, the the white event is the cause, but the um, I mean, as they say, then they didn't all get it at the same time. They all manifested different powers, and so. And you know, a lot of things happened just before they, like they Reagan got reelected. Like he's not responsible, is he? <laughs> um, I, by the way, yeah, uh, Charlie says that flash of light in space couldn't be. I was in the dance studio when it happened. I don't know. For some reason, it always sort of seems to me like the white event must have been like neutrino, neutrinos. You know, like they just. It didn't matter if you were inside or outside or whatever, they just go through matter and space about the same and interacted with this small handful of people. Yeah, well, cosmic radiation does cause DNA mutation. Right. There you go. So, um, yeah, I, I do like the, you know, them trying to figure out, like, just because it happened after, right? That good old post hoc ergo propter hoc kind of Latin deal just because it happened after didn't mean it happened because of um yeah Lenore should have brought that up she's the Latin teacher right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and and so then you know David then uh basically you know it's not that I don't believe in the religious side it's just I don't trust outsiders anymore you know look what happened when when we trusted Kickers Inc right I had to beat up a, a super or a super bowl winning quarterback a bunch of times <laughs> so here we have definitive timeline yeah it was a week or two ago basically that that kicker's uh, inc number five uh, fits into the dp7 timeline yeah so that, that worked out quite well then timeline wise much better than when they come out on the same week and you're like which one of these should i read first yeah uh, but yeah, Stephanie definitely seems like, you know, she would grab at any, you know, decent idea you offer. So she is the most desperate to get rid of this. And get back yeah, to so she's thing. definitely interested. Jeff is very much interested as well. You know, like, yeah, he's got super speed, but he can't stop eating, right? And he, he looks like a vibrating, blurry mess, right? Uh, if he hadn't run into Lenora, that would be an, an even, even bigger problem. So, um you know, we've heard from everyone but Scuzz. What about you? It's like, when does it ever matter to you guys what I think? I'm just a punk kid in this chicken-licked outfit. You never <laughs> care about what I think. Come on, Scuzz, that's not true. It's like, not cool, huh? It's not, huh? Well, what about those cool aliases I thought of using? Like, <laughs> we were in Twilight and Mastodon. We all agreed to use them in public, but has anyone? Not me. So, like, he was a kid. and <laughs> You, know, you don't want to wear the outfits. You don't want to use my cool code names. Like you guys never listen to me, and they kind of don't. Like they have. I think there was maybe with the Wampus, he kind of took the lead a little bit, and, and things went. He pretty did a well. good job investigating, like the word on the street with the other kids yeah. in that area. Um, yeah, I think the. Uh, so he doesn't uh, want to ditch his powers either, right? He likes his powers, you know. <laughs> And so he says, before I had him, I was just another kid. Nobody liked. Now I'm special. I'm somebody who cares if I stink or leave holes in the furniture. You guys can go stuff it. 
go stuff yourselves for all I care. I'm blowing. <laughs> so he walks out. I'm out of here. So that's yeah. our first title. Scuzz out. Scuzz is out. <laughs> um, so they try and talk and like catch up to him and, and stop him from leaving. And um, it doesn't go so well. If anything just sort of escalates. Um, so you know, Randy tries to stop him, but Scuzz just kind of gives him an elbow, you know, knocks him off of him, uh, which actually causes Randy's phantom to come out. The antibody comes out. Um, but then we're, we're back to our, our cover page here, really, where Jeff and Mastodon and uh, Randy's phantom are looking to keep Scuzz from running away. Um, and they're not really trying to fight him, but he, he defends, fends them off quite well. Uh, kind of dives out of the way of Mastodon, you know, starts hurling spitballs all around, you know. Uh-huh. Say, if you'd asked me before this issue, like how would Scuzz handle the others one on one, one on three or four? I, I I didn't really think his his powers really lent themselves to fighting very well. Um, that was but, before he invented the Scuzz ball, though. Yeah, that Scuzz ball yeah takes it takes it up a notch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if you're not trying to hurt him, right? So the mastodon grabs him, but he he burns his arm with his acid power, so he has to let him go. Uh, the antibody grabs his hands and kind of flies him up into the air. But then he just patu sp- sp- basically spits a spitball right through the chest. Excuse me, of the antibody. He says, "Ha!" Blew a hole right through that spook's heart. <laughs> uh, we're not really sure if that can get hurt or not. Um, yeah, like Randy immediately thinks it does permanently injure it. And yeah, good question. We'll get back to it in a minute. Yeah, so we don't know. Um, so yeah, it's kind of finally up to Lenore to kind of run into the middle. Boys, boys, stop this at once. <laughs> so, <laughs> come on. 65, so yeah, she's like... Uh, so kind of like two issues in a row, right, if we're looking at their throwdown with Kicker's Inc. You know, the girls rush in when the boys are just being goons. Yeah, they're... Uh, and uh, try and reason with them. Yeah, the boys of DP7 aren't uh, doing too good in the uh, maturity uh, ratings this, uh, yeah. this month. So, so they do come and kind of calm things down. You know, they're trying to apologize, trying to get them to stick around. But Scuzz isn't really having any of it. You know, he's telling him off and he's, he's, he's gone. So jerks, all of them. So we've got this great three panels of him walking away from the RV, uh, hands in the pockets, kind of like, you know, or is that famous like Spider-Man cover where he's walking away from the... Uh, the, the Spider-Man outfit. no more. Right. <laughs> so jerks, all of them. Right. And so as we, as the... RV pulls away and we get the close up on Scuzz though. You see his glass, his sunglasses dip down a little bit and there's a little tear coming down and a terrible sad face. And I have to admit that made me a little emotional when I read it. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) like he's all tough and bluster, but he's just a kid and you know, scared and sad. (laughs) Uh, Of course, interrupting that then Jeff zooms in on him. He's like, hey, I got something for you. <laughs> and he gives him a uh, um, sheet of paper with his mom's contact. So, you know, if you ever need us, just call her and we'll we'll come get you or we'll find you. But uh, 
unbeknownst to Jeff, uh, he burns it up instantly in his acid hands. So number, not so much. So DP6, new comic coming out next week. Six plus one. <laughs> we can go with either one of them. I don't care which. Yeah. Scuzz gets its own spin-off solo series. That's, you know, it's still a, like, you know, that would have been the success of, of the new universe would have been spinning off popular characters into their own mini, like the original like Wolverine miniseries or something. I mean, by this point, it, it was pretty well established to do that. And there was, you know, five X books already. So Yeah. Coach Kirby convinces Mastodon to join the New York Smashers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be cool. Generator, Mastodon. Some, some, some lineup changes and such. Yeah. All right, so we've lost guys. You know, Randy is always kind of like the, the worried dad figure and not always the leader, but always kind of putting pressure on himself that maybe things were sort of his responsibility. Um, but, uh, you know, there goes, there goes Dennis Kaczynski. Um, but I have a feeling he'll be back. All right, so we get some more discussion um, about the uh, possible exorcism. And uh, in fact, before they go to bed tonight, uh, Stephanie decides to lead them on a prayer. Um, you know, oh, what? <laughs> what's up? Is it Randy just as like, what? Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's not the religious one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, they, they, so yeah, she's she's kind of picking up this idea, and it's you know to kind of get to prepare them. I guess she's like, let's have a reading for. We see a little bit more again, like individual responses to these things. Yeah, and her quote is, you know, he's our only chance at salvation from our horrid paranormalities. So, boy, imagine how depressed she'd be if she had Dennis's powers. Well, the, was it shrapnel from the uh oh god <laughs> he seems to have embraced it yeah, yeah it psychic pimple blasts even if they're painful yeah actually shrapnel and scuzz could uh i like like scuzz will easily get recruited into uh the clinic's hit squad if they make him an offer okay. yeah run around beat people up that's great he, would totally, he would totally be down with that could team up with shrapnel and like grab one of his psychic bombs in his hand and then combine it with his acid for a super bomb or something. Well, Stephanie's uh, prayer is pretty nice. Um, she, she doesn't miss a chance to uh, diss on her uh, estranged husband, Chuck. <laughs> Norris. I know I miss church a lot of times. My husband liked to sleep late on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> He's worse than Steve, the deadbeat scientist. <laughs> anyway, I, I like that at the end, uh, Randy's like, okay, well, we better hit the sack. <laughs> like he tells them all when it's bedtime. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, you know, if, uh, if this is a punishment for something, I, hopefully we've suffered enough and, uh, 
I want to be a good mother, and this is preventing me. And uh, our, my friends' lives are being ruined too. So if this is some sort of evil, please give us the strength to overcome it. Straight, straight talk. It's not bad. All right. So after a little bit of chatting between uh, David and Randy, uh, we hit up and meet Jeff's mom at the Burger King. So we had some McDonald's cameos before, and now they're going to Burger King. So you know, there was a lot of product placement. Is this like in the next scene? Uh, yeah, hold on. They'll they'll get to it, I think. Yeah. So so they meet with the Reverend Armand Cohen an hour later uh, at his church. Um, you know, they mentioned they kind of you know, they they show off their powers a little bit, but still kind of hoping to stay sort of anonymous. Uh, or that's, that's generally Randy's Randy's idea. Um, and he's the the Reverend is not entirely convinced that he's going to be able to help them, right? That that it is necessarily some sort of demonic possession, but he sounds willing to try. Uh, he kind of talks about exorcisms a little bit, uh, at least the religious version, not the movie version. Um, but uh, da, 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 there's a nice line where uh, David's, excuse me, sir, does it matter if we believe in you, what you do? Right, like, will it still work if I don't believe that it's going to work? Kind of thing. Uh, it says, uh, it only matters that I do. So we'll see. You know, I would have thought that, yeah, that wasn't, uh, or that it would be necessary for the subject to believe. But um, actually, in the Bible, like they they cast demons out of people without like asking them, you know, beforehand. So yeah, right, it seems, and and he mentions that he's exercised things too right so like you're not asking a permission for a demonically possessed you know coffee mug or something you know right. yeah, i'm curious about that story uh what the heck are the objects i don't know i mean i've read enough fantasy that there's got to be at least a good cursed sword out there or something right uh, that would be cool <laughs> all right so we get a little lesson in holy water he starts his uh exorcism and then uh fun timing you know and and i exercise thee O creatures of darkness be gone demons thou art unwelcome here free this flesh of thy cursed might as he's got his hand right in front of uh, randy's face he says I, I i feel something you know but he feels his uh his uh, antibody flying out so interesting timing i wonder what the antibody's trying to do here uh, but it, it flies out um kind of freaks everybody out uh even the reverend looks like a demon seen, yeah. yeah i've never seen a demon so uh randy's come back here you stupid uh but it flies right through the reverend so it basically passes all of its information on to him you know you get a little art panel and it looks like you know it's basically showing their whole story up until this point uh including kind of getting chased by the the clinic and such um, Stephanie freaks out, you know, you're, it's ruining everything. I'll never forgive you if this, if this ruins it for me. Um, but too late, uh, the Reverend is kind of not a hundred percent sure what exactly happened to him, but, um, when he recovers, you know, he's, what is clear to him that it, it was not demonic possession, right? Your afflictions are not manifestations of evil. I knew the instant that dark spirit passed through me that it was not a creature of evil. So 
good for Randy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's your soul, Randy. It's on display for everyone. Yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty stoic, but I mean, that would be a pretty unnerving power to have, right? Like you have this thing that's sort of inside you at all times and you can kind of launch it out, but it doesn't always listen. Like, you know, there's another living force inside of your body. Like that's a little weird. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of powers are, you know, you've seen in other books and series, but this one is not only, I mean, I, don't, I can't really think of a good literary precedent for it or like where they would have come up with it. So, and it's, yeah, it's solid and sometimes ghost-like and it's, um, the memory part is also interesting. Like yeah, it's not, very unique. So it's I a, think it's if, a, if Marvel was going to steal an idea, that would have been a good one to steal, but maybe it doesn't make like a good superhero comic thing. I don't know. I like it. I mean, it's the thing where like the main guy himself is kind of on sidelined by his own power. Like yeah. it launches out and then I guess the doctor has to kind of go hide because <laughs> he's not bulletproof. <laughs> he's not bulletproof. Yeah. Hopefully the antibody can get the job. Yeah. Interesting that though, I, I imagine he's just not that comfortable with it too, though. Right. Like he's, he's sent it out to kind of scout when he's needed to like to see, um, you know, if they killed the, you know, the hunters, the bloodhound guys that were after them kind of thing. But usually they just send Jeff out to kind of run around and look, but, but anyway, so, um, exorcism, not so much. Uh, didn't cost anything, so the guy was willing to do it for free. Um, but we end with our uh, God grant you the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, the courage to change the things you can change, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Um, so you're stuck the with serenity. your powers, folks. <laughs> the serenity prayer, they call it. Yeah. It's, uh, right. I think in uh, AA meetings, they do that as well. Yeah, that sounds right. I was just mixed, confused when Seinfeld had his Serenity Now thing. <laughs> this thing? No, something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a whole different thing. So, Anything that Frank Costanza does is a bad plan. So, yeah, the, uh, I mean, yeah, the priest is, uh, uh, whatever he is, reverend. Uh, it's pretty straight with them all the way through. And, you know, they try. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, you know. Well, what if it's, this is the, an explanation. They try it. No, this doesn't seem to be the explanation. So Yeah. And so yeah. They're, they're stuck, right? They don't, don't know what to do. They, like, yeah. Like, where do we go? We don't know. We'll just keep driving. <laughs> but I think it's there's amazing even... only one has left at that point with, with that sort of a yeah. Oh, we've been on the run for six months and uh, we don't know where we're going or what we're doing. Yeah. Well, there's a line in there too. I think it was Randy thinking that, you know, he doesn't think the group wanted them to stop. Like they just kind of want to keep going because if they stop, then they have to figure out what to do. Like when they're just, just driving from place to place, then like they have their short-term goal at least. Yeah. They don't want yeah. to admit they're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, in my head, I mean, I've read 
this before a couple of years ago. So I kind of know what happens in the future, but if I'm just thinking in my head, like, well, where would you actually go? Right? Like they don't, you know, they, they tried their houses and you know, the ones that made sense, they still got tracked down by the clinic. So there's no good hiding spot. Um, so, you know, I don't know what would be the right thing to do. Kickers Inc. Yeah. didn't help. Mark Hazard Merck, I guess is who I'd call. They do not have money is the other thing. Yeah, there's no like, oh, I've got a vacation home in another state and we can hide in the woods there. And these are all pretty modest, you know, people. The, the doctor's a young doctor. Um, yeah, he's probably defaulting on his student loans right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so yeah, they're... they're they're very limited in terms of what they can do and where they can go. So they're just driving around Wisconsin. Uh, but like I say, it's a good setup for adventure. You've got the clinic attacks. That's a story. They get to a new town and there's a new problem. That's a story. There's a new idea to get rid of our powers. That's a story. Yeah. The conflict. Let's see. Let's see, we can wrap up, we can comment on some of this a bit more in our discussion. So, so we saw that the antibody healed himself. That was the biggest question that answered itself this, this time. That's true. When he came back out the second time, he was fine. Okay, so I went first last time. So you have to give your DP7 grade first. And then I will um, change mine accordingly. To me, this is always the, like the, the best week because I enjoy both books quite a bit. And so I sometimes think I just give them both the same grade. I, I was going for a B plus here and A minus a bit, but I'll say B plus because again, it's like a real solid, you know, story, solid characterization, and the art by Paul Ryan's always uh, really gives us everything we need. So super happy with it yeah I'm, I'm giving it a straight a um if it's gonna focus half the issue on dennis kuzinski i'm happy right if we get that panel of that that tear yeah, coming down that, his face and like oh poor tennis really does yeah yeah right okay. if a comic can elicit an emotional reaction then the writer has done a good job so yeah okay. i like this one a lot yeah Andy's soft spot for uh, troubled teens is an <laughs> interesting question. What's going on at the uh, Roback house? I don't know. But. It's probably just like, I don't know, wishing I was more interesting. <laughs> like, I think I only ever got detention once in high school, and it's for something really lame. So, like, I was not the bad boy. You're going to end up like uh, Colby Shaw in Fake Fort Cyforce running at home for runaway uh, <laughs> teens. Just hollering at them all the time. I don't know. Having... I told you not to do that. <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah, some of that, um, like I said, we'd, we'd cover in the discussion. So, there was a lot, obviously, this was a really um, solid. Uh, uh, discussion about sort of uh, real world uh, religious issues. Um, obviously, you know, most of us haven't dealt with exorcisms, but you have like a, a, a guy who's you know not a 
you know, one of these stock figures like the televangelist or the like the guy who's always looking for money or something, a pretty honest uh, religious um, mentor figure. Um, and he's presented normally, not as like, you know, some nutball. Um, right. And, you know, he gives it an honest try and tries to help and they can't, but they're sort of, well, on we go. Um, well, I think yeah. like a lot of the stuff in the, in the regular Marvel universe or other comics universes, like is, is so extreme that like, you know, there, there's almost no place for like a regular religious person or position. Like, you know, if the specter is God in DC or like, you know, there's like the beyonder and all these crazy like space gods and stuff like that, like, like that makes regular old, uh, you know, Christianity or something like that in a comic, you know, I imagine it'd be kind of hard to find a place for it in a story kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, I've sometimes heard, read, read stories about some of the like guys in the seventies, like trying to work some like more religious themes into their stories and being like, yeah, this isn't really working. And with mm -hmm. like, the editors are like, you can't just have Jesus show up and, and, you know, put, you know, the, stop the ghost rider or whatever, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like those those the the typical superhero like escalates with power so much that like you have to kind of build a conflict around something that they can handle or that would challenge them, right? Like you have to be able to challenge the perfect guy in Batman or like super strong, super smart Spider-Man and that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, right. But but in the new universe just having room for you know, regular people is is just kind of nice, right? Like DP7 is not a bunch of hyped up extreme uh you know you know strong willed you know hyper outspoken hero types you know it's just a bunch of regular people uh really and we're kind of learning their personalities so you know interacting with friends and family and some jerks and some religious folk you know like you know, they're doing a really nice job with the uh slice of life 1986 in uh, in DP7 in particular, but yeah, and I mean, force as well, at, I think. Yeah, I think if you look at um, you know the, the demographics, you would say like in 1980, the 80s, uh, like 80 or 90 percent of Americans would would say they were Christians, and like if you look at like comic book characters, it would be kind of the inverse of that. Yeah, that's true, and so. I mean, you get a good range of people here, like maybe a couple of Catholic background. Um, this this priest is Episcopal, which is better. Um, Dave is like very not into it, but he, which is a, a little unusual for like his sort of more working class background. But yeah. Um, He's kind of open-minded, but just like angry in general, kind of. And yeah, and he says at some point, like he lost his parents and maybe a brother. Um, yeah. And I just sort of, yeah, that that sort of bad experiences drove him off of uh, faith. Um, but yeah, you'd think like the the college medical school guy would be like the least religious. That's kind of how it works in twenty twenty two here, but um, the. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a, you know, 
different range of people and and, and not a disproportionate uh, group. So let's see. The other one today, justice, is kind of a different case because it's um, it's more like a D and D alignment system yeah. that he's working from. You know what I mean? It was always a weird thing in D and D where you like you can see alignment, or you know, you can cast a spell or something and tell if someone it's good or evil, or you know, it's like so. That's kind of what he does all the time, though. So this is true, yeah, and just vaporizes people if he gets the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, I think he's kind of a a paladin. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like a fighter for forces of good. Even though he, he, they use this sort of, it's a sort of I don't know, California, you know, metaphysic, you know, made up thing of, you know, oh, he's he's there to uh, serve balance or something. I don't know. That was a popular idea a while back in fantasy. Yeah, yeah they throw that in there a little bit, not consistently necessarily. Yeah, I, I did think it was interesting. Really, in this issue, was the first one where. Instead of aura, they kept using the word soul. Yeah, it's and the whole thing with justice is trying to develop a, a identify a recognizable moral code without like a religious authority behind it because they don't want to get right. too deep into it. But you can also imagine like justice's world is like Narnia, where they just have their own like analog of our religion. You know what I mean? But with animals, <laughs> it doesn't have to be with animals. I mean, <laughs> always with animals. I don't yeah. So, but yeah. So justice has sort of religious implications, but it's the sort of they're trying to tell a story about a, you know, someone who sort of like uh, a little longer ago they would have just made a, a sort of more religious figure. Um, but yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's interesting because like the through justice, his reading of auras has been like pretty analytical too. Like it's just like, all right, this is this color, bad, boom, you're dead, right? You know, or like this color, you know, you still have a chance, right? Or this person's okay, right? Or this is the most pure aura I've ever seen. Like he's just he's reading them, like you said, like those D and D alignments, you know. Whereas you know, I think um you know sort of the pop culture or sort of general use of the term soul is more kind of like you know this is your unknowable you-ness right you know this this piece that is you uh and your spirit kind of thing whereas injustice the, the aura is like it's very much like this thing all right it's there or it's not there it's this color or it's not that color you know it, it's very uh quantified so as they start mixing the terms it's kind of interesting because you know, all of Justice's kind of abilities and attacks and defenses are based on this aura being like an energy source, right? Like it's radiating from the earth. This guy's got it. This is not, you know, we're send you're stealing it from people. We're sending it somewhere else. You know, it, it's like, you know, like they've sort of quantified it. From Final Fantasy seven or whatever. Yeah. Right. Just stealing the, the life stream from the planet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so there it's it, it's a little bit more yeah, an artificially constructed 
system. And um, that works for him. I mean, it, like I said before, it might've been interesting to have a, like a very Japanese system. Um, yeah. Why not? Um, let's see. Kickers Inc. We saw like brick wall make a, be just like disgusted by the co witch coven me members. Oh, right. Yeah. He was like, you try, you mess around with this stuff and, you know, always leaves you in a bad place and blah, blah, blah. And he didn't sort of belabor the point. But yeah, you definitely got the feeling Brick, even though he plays his games on Sundays, uh, has, a, has a strong faith in his background. Yeah, and the uh, the villain there, the, the manipulative chemist, was just kind of using that as like a flashy way to get his students to kind of do what he wanted to. So. Yeah. Or he was experimenting on them with psych, psycho or... Uh, Psychotic drugs, or what's the word I'm looking for? Psychotropic. Psychotropic. Thank you. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, Starbrand. You know, I was saying that like Ken doesn't have any positive male role models. Uh, right. He should have like hooked up with uh, Reverend Armand Cohen or whatever. I mean, he's always looking for guidance, and he just has these like friends who tell him, "Yeah, you know, just." Cheat on, cheat on your girlfriend. Cheat on your yeah. Girlfriend. I think that's kind of like a, a, a real take on kind of what life can be like though, right? I mean, like for like heavy drug users, you know, a lot of times they say like, well, to really break free, you got to get out of where you're living, right? You got to get away from your friends and your friend group. Yeah. So, you know, Ken's just kind of got like a toxic life situation um, in part caused by him, but, you know, like does Myron really have his best interests in mind or is Myron just kind of curious about what's going on right yeah I think there's like a generational thing like you see the younger uh, characters and titles are less religious Cyforce almost nothing yeah not much there. if anything Starbrand has like more religious implications because I think of his power as being like um almost yeah like theological I mean it's like a very yeah, off the charts power apparently. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I wrote down a, a while ago and I, as a crazy note, what if uh, the white event is the rapture? Ooh. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's like, you know, you kind of go, it's not like actually my, my denomination doesn't, do much with that so it's not something i know much about but you have like a, a point after which things sort of change right and the world sort of on a on a clock um, what do you do what do you do with these powers you know, how are you going to respond to this problem and yeah get judged and i'll be honest starbrand is like either the messiah or the antichrist under that <laughs> yeah. um Let's see. Spitfire. We'll find out. Hmm? We'll find out. Yeah. Spitfire was a, um, there was a picture I saw of the, of the group. Um, I think the Facebook group had like a book cover that you could fold and like uh, back yeah. in the day. So the Spitfire thing had, I thought, like the, um, her martial arts instructor. Hmm. Remember, like, the first issue or two, she was calling him for advice? Yeah, sensei. Yeah, and I was like, shouldn't she have a priest? She's like a 
Boston Catholic, right? No, maybe that would that would have been like the the closest thing to a religious advisor. Yeah, we didn't get anywhere with it. Yeah. He didn't give her very exciting advice, if I remember. It was like, just do what you want. <laughs> be yourself, I guess. I, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and then the rest of our titles, I couldn't really think of too much. Like, Merck seems like he should go to confession every now and then or something. Right. Or Probably should, while cleaning a gun or something. He, he really should do something to kind of get on the right side of... Uh, and then Night Mask has lost his parents, you know, and he's young. So again, not that interested in the sort of thing in the first place. Right. And end up like Dave and DP7. Side Force, um, all I could think of was like the Russian girl might be Jewish, but they haven't said anything about that yet. So yeah, it hasn't really been any, any specific dialogue or mention of uh, that. So, uh, circling back to DP7, I was thinking actually, uh, like, you know, one thing that Stephanie could do to, would be to go out as a faith healer. Oh, like right. In sight, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, like a real one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people would come up to you and you heal them and they're like, do you have some special power? No, it's not from me. You know, it's just, it's a higher power. I don't know what to tell you. And everyone outside would just think, oh, you know, it's just a fake, you know, I, I'm not even going to investigate this. Yeah. And like, they would completely ignore it. She, she'd even be like, oh, that's sparkling. Uh, it's just a special effect from my show. I don't know what to tell you. If she, if she were comfortable, maybe, right? But like, that would be <laughs> a big leap for what we're getting from her personality, right? Like that would, that would work, right? Yeah. But yeah. if she didn't believe it, like she's not going to want to lie. She's not that kind of person uh, or kind of assume that she has this special connection to uh, to have these healing powers kind of thing. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, because the um, what was it? The the reverend said like you had to have you have to have second sight to do exorcisms like you have to have this extra ability to be someone who's able to do that to kind of like recognize the evil. Uh, I forget if that's from the book or if I looked that up, but uh, it's like he so did it's almost say he like, had like two or three qualities that make him able to do this. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think that might have been from Wikipedia, but like you need to uh, no the gift a second sight that enables one to perceive evil. Yeah. yeah, so so he thinks he's got this extra ability, so it's not so strange to make to be able to make that leap that you know this power to heal could be from that but again she just wants to get rid of it though which is kind of the problem yeah so as far as religion in the new universe we're seeing some of it i think a reasonable like amount um this this dp7 though would have been like eligible for like a an award that year from like an ecumenical council of churches for like a positive portrayal of right uh, something it's like yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you guys hit it on the. You know, no one's insulted. No, no, everything's pretty straightforward. There you go. Happy to see it. Can we send in like 35 year old comics for it? <laughs> no one pays attention to the award anymore. Yeah, no. 
We get a couple of JD Power awards, maybe, for the comic. <laughs> we could probably get buy some JD Power awards for our podcast. Mm. <laughs> the most, most downloaded new universe podcast. <laughs> Number one in audience reliability. What does that that's, mean? That's hope. Oh, so let's see. Should we start thinking about next week's episode? We'll start number sixes next week. Oh, yeah. Number sixes. So, yeah, we got star brand number six. Star brand lost in space. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> oh and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number six. The Spitfire's armor is revamped. Max's armor is revamped. Yeah. What will the changes mean for the future of the troubleshooters? Hopefully good things. So I hope, I hope they didn't steal Giuseppe or uh yeah, not Giuseppe, uh Giotti's uh strong arms for the suit, because I still like I'm still hoping he'll get to flaunt those around for another episode. Okay, strong arms, fastball. We're putting we're making a new suit that's nothing but a strong arm connected to a fastball or whatever. The legs. That'd be a little weak. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, if you haven't yet, check out the website. Uh, every once in a while, I adding, I'm adding more content to it, but we definitely have a contest going. Win yourself some free comic books. Somebody's got to win them. Uh, and then we'll see you back at the Spinner Rack next time. See you next time.